the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Some say, well, I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because I have the supernatural boldness to stand for God. He does give us the boldness to do it. But other people who believe the opposite also can stand in their conviction. And then there were some of those who say, well, you know, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because everything I do, uh, God gives me signs and wonders. You know, I've just seen all of these signs and wonders that God has promised. Okay, I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying for signs and wonders and asking the Holy Spirit to perform miracles and things like that. And we, we as Christians, we know that God is God. He can do anything. We, we're not denying the power of, of, of supernatural manifestations. We're not denying the power of miracles, but they're not sign. They're not the sign that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're simply not. And why is that? Because that could be duplicated by those who are not followers of Jesus or those who are minimal Christians. That can be duplicated. That, you can do these things in the flesh, perhaps, and some, you know, do certain things that can have outside manifestations. All right? This could be seen on the outside, in other words. How, 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 what we think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we always connect it to what's evident on the outside. And all of those, although those things are true, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is an inside job. It's what God is doing in the inside of every person. It's more important to see what God is doing on the inside than the manifestation that shows up on the outside because a lot of those manifestations can be duplicated even by those who don't call themselves followers of Jesus. So there are very distinct marks in our own inner life that separates us from all the other things that happens, all the other manifestations, so to speak, that happens to other people. So, you may, you may think that you're spirit-filled, but you need to know those marks. I need to know those marks in an every, uh, on a daily basis. That's why God established the church, so we can have the affirmation that we are filled with the Spirit. We have to be in community because this is the only way it could be seen. If it's not validated by our fellow believers, there's, there's a little bit of a problem. There's, there's a discontinuity. There's a disconnect. To be spirit-filled simply means to be under the control of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life. That's what it means, to be controlled by the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means we are controlled with the work of the Spirit in our life. Well, that's pretty basic. I know, I know that. But what are the signs that you are in fact controlled by the Holy Spirit? Because whatever controls us comes out. Whatever we're filled with comes out. If you're filled with anger, guess what happens? <laughs> it comes out. 
if we're filled uh, with, with whatever, that usually comes out. We are controlled by the things. We, are, we, we demonstrate the things that we are controlled by. That's why the passage begins this way in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul uses drunkenness as an example uh, to prove the power of being controlled. Again, the illustration is when you're drunk, you are controlled by the wine. You cannot help but be under the influence of that substance. The same is obviously true when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We are under His control. The, this infilling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality in your life and mind. This is not an occasional thing. This is not a seasonal thing. This is not an emotional outburst. This is not an emotional or, 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 or um, a, a period in our life wherein we're more, we're more, we're more uh, given uh, to the experiences of the Holy Spirit. This is an everyday reality, an everyday occurrence. It characterizes our lives as Christians forever. This is, you know, Jesus said this better uh, this way. He says, I, it's better that I go to my Father so I can send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit, and He will abide with you forever. So when we say we're filled with the Holy Spirit, this is not an occasional thing, a seasonal thing. This is not a once in a while thing. This is an everyday reality. It doesn't happen just every Sunday. Day, it happens every waking moment of our lives because the Holy Spirit was given to, to the followers of Jesus to abide with us forever. So these characteristics that we're going to talk about, these are the signs, these are the marks that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So what are they? Let me submit to you three big evidences, three big marks of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Spirit-filled life is marked by genuine Gladness, genuine in our gladness. Look at verse 19 again. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from, God, from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Listen, gladness is an act of worship. It comes out of us. I, I have never met anybody who is angry who sings songs to the Lord. Okay? And underline the word genuine. Because they're fake gladness. The world's gladness is fake. It's circumstantial. It's seasonal. The Holy Spirit's joy or gladness is permanent. Okay? So gladness is an act of worship. It's called rejoicing in the Lord. It's a commandment in the Lord. You entered the gates of praise this morning with thanksgiving in your heart. The Bible says that. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And what should we do? We should rejoice and be glad in it. So this is a commandment. You can't get any more specific or any more clear than the fact that gladness is an act of worship. If there's no gladness or joy, our hearts will not worship God. Our hearts will not fellowship with God and with one another. Even even if we try, our singing to the Lord will uh, be surface at the most. We'll be ritualistic at the most. I'm not judging people. Why do we properly sing to the Lord every Sunday morning? What's the purpose of singing? And, and, and if you think that, that we as a church sing simply because this is a tradition or simply because this is something that's nice to do, not at all. The church in its over 2,000 years of existence have always sang together in worship. They have 
always done this. This is nothing new. We have an ancient faith. What you did earlier today in this message, Christians have been doing for 2022 years. It's not new. This is an act of worship. Singing connects our hearts to the throne of God, and it shows you and I that we have joy in the Lord because we sing. So when you're doing the penguin on me on Sunday, I ask you to clap your hands and you, you can't even bring it up and all of that. Maybe you're just not in it or maybe there's something wrong deep inside because the church from its inception have always sang hymns. It always sang psalm. Three types of, three types of singing in this text is we are commanded to sing uh, 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 speak to one another with psalms. What are psalms? As far as I understand, psalms are just songs, uh, praise songs, worship songs, written with stringed instruments. So that's why we have a band. You know, I've been in a church where they, they ridicule having a band. You know, they say, ah, that's, that's the devil's music when you play the drum, play the guitar. But psalms are songs played in the guitar with string instruments. And what are hymns? Hymns are simply songs of praise. That's what a, a hymn is, uh, is a song that sings the praises of God, okay? So that's why in our church, you'll notice that we often start our praises with exalting the attributes of God, you know? We don't start with our own needs in our singing, okay? We, we do that in the end. When we, when we approach singing in our church, we, you, you better believe you're going to hear about something about the power of God. You're going to see something or hear something about the glory of God. And then in the end, we sing these songs of, you know... Fill my heart, Lord, or do something for me, God. That happens in the end. Why? Because there's gladness in our hearts when we sing. It's the Holy Spirit doing that. It's that joy that the Spirit that gives us. And there's a third type of singing, and that's called spiritual song. This is a unique song that only you can sing for God. This is a Holy Spirit, you know, this is kind of a special gift that God gives everybody. You have a song in your heart. I don't care if you wrote it or you did not. You know, if somebody else write the song that God has given you, uh, give them credit or you get sued. But there's some songs that will be the song that God, that Spirit of God will give you. It could be your own song. What I'm saying is be aware of that because the, a glad heart, a heart with joy will sing. It will sing. Well, Pastor, I can't sing. Good for you. 90% of the people probably can't sing. There's only those several people that are given a gift, a gift of natural talent for singing. You know, not all of us have that. You know, don't worry about that. But that's not an excuse for you not to sing. It's the same excuse as saying, well, I'm not, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Therefore, I'm not going to tell anybody about Christ. Not at all. There are people who have been specially gifted by God. that They know how to talk to people about the Lord. That's not my gift. But that's not an excuse for me not to tell somebody my testimony. Amen? Genuine gladness. Rejoicing in the Lord. This is genuine because you don't do this just because things are going well. You, you don't do this just because things are going fine. You do this whatever you're going through. That's what true, genuine gladness is. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Joy is at the center of that. In fact, it's the first or the second thing that is mentioned on the fruit of the Spirit. Joy. If you're genuinely glad, you're rejoicing in the Lord. And how can you rejoice in the Lord? Because you are content in God. There's contentment in your heart. The end game is God for you. That's it. And when, you, when the end game in your life is God, nothing more, then there's contentment. Okay? Philippians 4.11, Paul writes this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. The Bible says that we 
need to be content in the Lord. Despite of the circumstances, don't misread that. No, you're not content that you are going through some bad circumstance. You're not happy about that. You're not, you didn't invite that in your life. But the contentment says, regardless of what you're going through, you can still worship God and rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Contentment is a big part of being glad. Who do you think is more content? A man with $5 million or a man with five kids? It's a no-brainer. The man with five kids is more content because he wouldn't want any more. That's true. (laughs) Want to see a contented man? I have five kids. No more. It's more important that we understand that gladness is the fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you glad this morning? Pastor, I'd be glad when this sermon is over. Ah, No, no, no. no, We don't do that. There's a second mark of the Spirit-filled Christian life, okay? The second mark is this. Not only is there genuine gladness, but you are growing in gratitude. Look at verse 20. It says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Say everything. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now again, genuine gladness is not circumstantial, right? You're not glad just because things are going well. In fact, many of you, I can look at you and it's a miracle that you have a smile in your face. You've just had a tragedy befell you. And, and, And you're asking to yourself, who in their right mind can rejoice? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is done by faith. God never, ever, ever, ever answers the why questions of life. He never does. But he does call us to draw closer to him in times of trouble. But secondly, there is growing in our gratitude. Underline always and everything. Because being grateful to God is the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We become grateful for what we have and who we are. Okay, that's also a sign of the spirit-filled life. You know, uh, when you when you get older, like I'm really getting older. I tried to get a haircut yesterday, and uh, when I was younger, I've always had gray hair. And um, when I was uh, even in high school, and yes, I did dye my hair. But but when I was going to the barbershop years ago, the person who's cutting my hair will always throw in a discount for if if she can dye my hair. Again. I give to you fifty percent off. Now I go to the barbershop. They don't even care. They don't even ask me what kind of haircut I want. Oh, it's too long. You haven't been, uh, your, your hair's not growing too fast anymore. And so they just chop it off. You know, they don't offer anything else. You know, there's, there's a lot of advantages at being old. In that example, I can be more appreciative because there's still hair to cut. But the older you get, the more, uh, the more grateful you are. The older you get to the Lord, the more grateful you are. I'm grateful to God. I'm not going to repeat the, some of the bad things I've done when I was young, but I'm grateful that God sustained me. I'm glad that I'm still here. I'm glad that God is faithful. He was there when I was struggling. He was there when I was messing up my life. He was there when I was happy. He was there when I was successful. He was there when I was in the gutter. He doesn't change. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from God above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God has always been good. God will always be good. But we need to trust in Him and we need to be grateful. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are glad, you're grateful. And, we, and when it, this doesn't show in our life, What do you think happens? When this doesn't show up, when gladness and gratitude doesn't show up in our lives, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is grieved. It makes the Holy Spirit sad when there's no gladness and there's no gratitude in our life. Why? Because ingratitude and bitterness 
goes against the will of God. So if you want to grieve the Holy Spirit, if you want to make the Holy Spirit sad, try to be bitter. Try to be ungrateful. Why? Because the will of God is for us to, to be glad. Not in a hypocritical way, but in a true faith way. To be faithful in the command that He has given us to be glad, to rejoice, and to be grateful and be content in Him. Look at First Thessalonians 5:16 to 19. It says, Rejoice always. Is that what, 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 what is always? Always means always. Rejoice always. What else? Pray continually. What else? Give thanks in all. All circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When you do this, verse 19 happens. Do not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. So we grieve the Holy Spirit when we are ungrateful and we grieve Him when we decide to be bitter. It's in violation of God's will. Joy lifts up the heart of God. Being joyful is not situational. Well, pastor, how can you possibly make me rejoice in what had happened in my life? You need the help of the Spirit of God to overcome that. I'm not minimizing whatever tragedies happen in our life. You know, if you live to be 100, you can count on some tragedies to come. No one is spared from tragedy or adversities. No one. No one. Don't, don't think that, oh, you know, a lot of people, they went through life without experiencing um, tragedies and things like that. Listen, the Bible says that the heart of God is in the heart of those who are broken. I'd rather have those tragedies happen to me and be closer to the heart of God than live a wonderful life and not having experienced how God really wanted to use my life. God will never, never waste the pain that we go through. He will always use it for His glory and for the benefit of others. That's why we need to rejoice and we need to be thankful. Lastly, when we are spirit-filled, not only if there's, not only there is genuine gladness and a growing sense of gratitude, but there's, only, there's also this, this commitment. There's, there's this goal that we have to be governed by God's glory. To be governed by God's glory. Look at the last verse in our text. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, this, this being spirit-filled is in the context of being affirmed by a community, by the church. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Honoring Christ is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is shown in the way we submit to the authority of God's Word. It's how we submit to each other in the body of Christ. This is really much what makes the church so powerful. Uh, there is a mutual regard for the honor and glory of Jesus in a spirit-filled church. This church is about Jesus' name being honored. I know a lot of people get upset when we proclaim the truth of the Word of God. There are people who will leave the church or leave the fellowship, leave the community because they got upset, not with what the preacher says or how, or how the preacher says it, but because Jesus' words are life. And sometimes for life to take place, some surgery is needed. Amen? We needed to hear Jesus' word. When Jesus prohibits something, when Jesus warns us about something, it's not for His good, it's for our benefit because when we submit, when we honor, when we are governed by His glory, His name is magnified. The number one priority we have as a church is to lift up the name of Jesus, to glorify the name of Jesus. We, we love people, amen? 
you you should know i love you all you should love you we should love one another but not at the expense of violating the will of god okay when a preacher preaches He's not preaching his own words. I will not be a, a, a preacher worth anything if I don't look at what Jesus has to say and then proclaim that. I, don't, I have not proclaimed anything new. In the long time that I've been doing this, I haven't proclaimed any new message. Not because I don't know anything, I don't want to study more and all of that. Believe me, I do. But what Jesus said then, it's true then, it's true now, it's true a thousand years from now. It doesn't change. So when God says, Jesus says, this is wrong, it is wrong, even if we don't like it. Many people in our world today, we are living in a, in a they want to call it, a, in a very woke world. There are Christians who will say to you, we believe in Jesus too. We, we just don't believe in what he said. We just don't interpret the things that he said the way you interpret it. The Holy Spirit is not that confused. When you hear the truth, either, either it will be planted in your heart to be the truth and there will be a witness of conscience and conviction that this is true or you just refuse to accept the authority of the word of Christ. Those are the only two options. It breaks my heart because sometimes when I, you know, when you proclaim the truth, people think that, hey, you know, you're not loving enough. You're not gracious enough. You're, you're not kind enough. You're such a, you know, you're such a holier than thou kind of a person. And as a Christian, my heart breaks because this is the work of the Spirit in a person's life. If you're finding yourself loving Jesus but rejecting His Word, you're in trouble. Because most people, they don't have a problem with Jesus. Most people, including many Christians, they don't have a problem with Jesus. As long as Jesus focuses on the things that they want Jesus to say to them. But the reason why the Holy Spirit is here is to lead us into all truth. What is all truth? Everything that Jesus said. Not just the, the good things that we hear. All right? Not just the wonderful things that we rejoice about and say, Hey, you know, Jesus brought promises that I'm going to be successful if I follow him and all of that. Yes, Jesus did say, you know, there's a, the, the, the principle of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow and all of that. All that's good. But people in the world, they don't have a problem with Jesus as their Savior. But they have a huge problem with him being their Lord of their life. They don't have a problem with Jesus giving joy. They have a problem with Jesus saying, I will judge everybody in the end. So it's not so much that people reject Jesus. It's just they reject his authority in their life. And the Holy Spirit's job is to make sure that Jesus is the author. What is an author? An author is an authority. He rules your life. He rules my life. I'm not the author of my own destiny. I'm not the author of my own ideas. Jesus is the author and the finisher, the perfecter of my faith and yours. Finally, this verse in Colossians sums it up. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. There it is again, from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There it is again. It's in Ephesians. It's also in Colossians. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father 
father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Don't be thrown off by that word slave there. It simply means that we do work for someone else. It's not a statement of a societal issue or societal structure. It's simply so talking about, you know, when, when, when we report to somebody, we need to be able to do that for the Lord and everything. Believers are governed, in short, by the glory of God in everything that we do, whether at work, whether in the home, in your husband, to your husband, to your wife, and all of that. All of these things, our aim is to glorify God, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That has to show up if there's so much strife going on everywhere you go. You're not giving glory to God if there's so much strife at home, so much strife at work, so much conflict with people, so many of these things. That's not the way of the Spirit. And we, therefore, we need to recognize that. The Holy Spirit says, be filled and you will recognize what it is that you need to do to give glory to His name. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.